0: Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates, or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, SevernRun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Everything's broken, and... I knew that you'd heard me say that. I knew that I'd said that before. And, and today as we talk about religion blind, I just want to say, I, you know, unfortunately I am an expert in the topic um, because it is so easy to move from a vibrant personal relationship with, with the Lord in which we are not in control to something other, something less, something more earthbound um, that doesn't have the breath of God on it. Some people are God-blind and they can't see their need to kneel to Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the infinite one, the, the God-man who became flesh. And some cannot see that and so they stand in self-sufficiency in the presence and the face of God. Some are religion-blind and they can't see their need to kneel to Jesus either. But being religion blind is by far the worst condition of the two, and there is just something about being confronted with the presence of Jesus that that evokes a response in in the heart of brokenness, and to kneel in the presence of Jesus is to acknowledge that you're in the presence of of a power greater than a love greater than that that there is an unworthiness and and a worth that that you're struggling to recognize. To kneel in the presence of Jesus is to say that my ego and my desires are are broken and you are the healer and I look to you for my life and self-sufficiency, not to myself. Religion kneels only in show. But relationship is all about... Truly having a heart that is moved and touched and alive and yielded to the living God. I'm going to ask you at the end of the service to kneel, if it's real. Being religion blind is the state of the ancient church and the modern church. Being religion blind is to be in the presence of God and and utterly oblivious to the reality. In Matthew twenty three twenty four, Jesus called us religious people blind guides. And said, We strain out gnats, but we swallow a camel. And religious people are masters at missing the point. Um, Revelation three fifteen says, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one or the other. Now think about that. I, that verse shocked me the first time I read it. That God would wish that, that we would be cold and distant. That we would be better off being in that faraway place than it would be to be in a place of lukewarm religion. So I know your deeds that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. In light of all that God has done for us in Christ, in light of the love given, the the life demonstrated, in light of the words of truth that we can live by, in light of the blood spilled, for us to respond to all that with a collective yawn, what's on TV, is a crime. And the truth is that the, 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 the church in America is religion blind. The church in America is no threat to hell. The church in America is oriented towards consumerism. It is all about us. The church in America has been tamed uh, by hell. And and we are called to to follow a roaring lion. Um, you know, to, to, to attack the gates of hell. But the church has become something so much less than God ever intended. And it ought not to be so. I'm optimistic about the future of America. Not because of politics, but because of Jesus. I believe in the power of God to, to save and to redeem. I believe in the, the resurrected one that, that what he did he can do. I believe that the kingdom of God has truly come and that we are a part of its advance on planet earth. And so um, I give thanks for our current president and I pray faithfully for our future one. And I believe that as important as their work is that ours is infinitely more important And then ours will be the one that literally transforms the nation if we awake. But if we are asleep in the light, dead in religion, blind to all that God is and God wants to and can do, not only in the world, but in us, then God help us. Because we forfeited our hope for the nation. You see, God wants us to be on fire for him in relationship alive. And until we're crushed by grace and walking in pure obedience, until our agendas are as dead as our pride must be, until love matters more than anything else in our lives, we're probably stuck blind in dead religion. But the truth is nothing's more important than relationship with God. God. If you're here today and you're dissatisfied with your God experience, I just want to say that is an awesome place to be if you're willing to make a move today. And I want to just to challenge you to, to look and to consider the possibility that, that you and I are, are more religion blind than we think. Now, religion is, is our Culturally accepted way of of doing God and God things. Um, theology is ideas about God. Religion is culture. Um, it is accepted practice. Religion is appearance. How do we appear to be? You know about the life of God, but but relationship goes soul deep relationship is about something breaking inside of us even though we were broken there's something that breaks inside of us and and we are broken open and 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 we are broken and and it's like the tomb you know the stone being rolled back and and God himself comes to live inside of us and everything isn't instantly perfect but it's so much more real, and so much more raw, and so much more vulnerable, and so much more alive, and so much more, you know, transformative than, than religion. Relationship with Jesus changes everything, or it isn't relationship at all. Matthew sixteen twenty six says, What good will it be for man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Men and, and, and ladies, you know, uh, you who are pursuing career above all, above family, above God, um, you know, you, did you just hear what Jesus said? One day when you've gotten what you wanted, will you have wanted what you got? And if in the, the core of your living you forfeit what's most important, the, 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 the life of your soul under God, then you've missed the whole reason that you breathe. Matthew seven twenty says, Thus by your fruit you will recognize them. It's not just about what you say. So many of us say, Well, you know, I'm a Christ follower. You know, I'm a Christian rather. I'm an American, right? I mean, we're all Americans, right? That means we're all Christians, right? Wrong. We dumb down the life of Christ. We, we cheapen the blood of Christ when we, when we have people who say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I sleep with who I want to. I do what I want to. Um, you know, I'm in charge of my life. I say what I want to, uh, but I'm, I'm a Christian. I made a commitment years ago. That means nothing. Here's, here's a radical thought. If you're not following Christ, you are not a Christ follower wow and so so it's religion that says i'm okay the way i am i i'm okay being in charge i'm okay because of some other reality other than a heart crushed by grace and 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 a life yielded and kneeling to to obedience thus by their fruit you will recognize them how they live not merely the appearance not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus goes on to say that, that I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And the people give all kinds of religious answers. Lord, didn't we, didn't we, we called you Lord. Didn't we do all these great things in your name? And, and Jesus will say, there was no relationship Religion, um, it's it's rules based. Sometimes it's it's very defined. Um, it's it's you know can be rigid. It places you above, lets you judge. Uh, religion, it gives you this kind of confidence that you can have, but you don't have to be broken inside and change. Relationship is completely different, and to be in the presence of of the infinite God, who's infinite in every direction, is an overwhelming experience. It shrinks your pride. It, it, it makes you yield control. It, it gives you a true appreciation for the value of holiness. It's not, it's not that you're missing out on life. What you're missing out on is hell in life. And more than anything else in the world, Jesus wants to know you in a whole life kind of way that makes you passionate for him. But for so many of us, our God experience is... Well, it's kind of, for many of us, it's, it's, it's become religion and dead. It's like the lava that was once flowing down the mountain and, and just, you know, glowing and alive. And then it cooled and became rock that didn't move. Jesus said the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. And believing is so much more than religion. Believing changes your heart. It makes you love. Believing, um, it, it just, it honestly, it, it just leads you here. To say, Jesus, I don't know what's best with, with my life. I'm, I'm just lost without you. Jesus, I don't have a clue as to to how to love my family well. I don't have a clue to how to to get over this with my wife. I don't have a clue how to handle the past. God, I don't have a clue about anything. Jesus, save! And all illusion of self-sufficiency goes out the window. And all of religion's pride, all of religion's appearances... They're just washed away and we get sent out into the world as broken people who know Jesus to, to be with broken people who don't. I want for you the wild adventure of a living relationship with an infinite God. Not dead religion. Not standing still church. But you have to choose what you want and what you're willing to live until you see Jesus. The Pharisees saw Jesus, stood face to face with him in Matthew 16 1. And they came to Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and and they saw God the Infinite. How many of you all saw the, the video by Louis Giglio last week that we showed, you know? And it, it showed just, like, the, the bigness of the planets. Um, well, I, guys, I'm telling you, there's infinitely more than that. And, and the, the amazing thing is, not only is there an infinite more in the direction of big, there's also an infinite direction in the direction of small. <laughs> And the science of small and the space between, you know, uh, particles. And it's just astonishing in every direction you look. And, and here the Pharisees stood before God the infinite. Here's how Colossians 1, 15 and 16 describes him when God became a man. He is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created things in heaven and on earth things visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things were created by him and for him scripture tells us in hebrews 11:3 by faith we understand the universe was formed at god's command so that what was so that what is seen was not made uh, out of what was visible. And here is humanity in the presence of an infinite God and what do we see? What do we do? Well, they tested Jesus by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. That's religion. In religion, God is never enough for us to live uh, a world-changing life from joy. In religion, God has shortchanged us. In religion, we're always looking for more. We're we're always trying to control God and manipulate God so that He does what we want to do. And instead of accepting in gratitude the life that we've been given, the hand we've been dealt, religion is quietly, deeply dissatisfied with Father distrusting, unaware of who we're dealing with. And so they saw Jesus, but they were totally religion blind. And the God who's inviting them into relationship um, is is invited to attest, to prove who he is. The scripture goes on to say, Jesus replied, when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, the sky is red, and in the morning, today it, be, um, today it will be stormy because the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you do not know how to interpret the signs of the times. Jesus is saying most likely that this is the time when God himself has invaded planet earth. And all of the infinite possibilities of the love of God are standing before you, but you can't even see it. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. And then Jesus dropped the mic, left, and went away. Is God enough for you? I just want to be, you know, transparent and confessing, in my own life, this is one of my besetting sins. He is resenting God for the heart of life and and of of always demanding of God that He do more when the reality is God has done more than I can already imagine and He's given me more than I can already receive and, and a love greater than I can than I can even experience. Give me a sign, Jesus. Show me something from heaven and I'll believe you. How many of us are here today and basically that's our attitude towards God. God, if you'd only do this, then I would, I would know that you're real and I'd, I'd love you and give my life to you. You'd be in control. But Since you haven't, since I'm still living with a man or a woman who doesn't meet all my earthly needs, um, I'm going to stand back and, and stay away. Jesus, show me a sign. If you really love me, double my income. You know we need just a little bit more. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Jesus, show me something more than stands before me and then we'll believe. And Jesus says, I'm not going to show you anything more than is standing before you. In fact, what's standing before you will either be enough for you or you're going to live blind and miss God. Religion always drifts to dead. And that's what I want you to know about the church. I believe that the church in America is in danger of 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 not being that lava force that God wants it to be, alive and hot for God, but that we have cooled and we are standing still. And, and it's not just the drift in others. Religion is always about judging others. Relationship is about the mirror. I'm not giving you, nor am I trying to, to have, you know, a... Uh, A window to to look out at other churches and say, shame on them. I'm looking at us and saying that the natural gravity of our our religious life will be towards death and dead religion and cold and cold relationship. Be careful, Jesus said. And then he repeats himself. Be on your guard. This is serious. It is a serious movement that will attack your life. There will be this tendency in your life to to be less than alive to me, to make it about appearances, to know stuff in your head that doesn't control your life. To, to know a lot of God language and, and church stuff, but never to, to kneel and to yield to my will and to my purpose and my passion for your life. There will always be a tendency to, to, to have the yeast of the Pharisees and yeast is something that works its way through everything and you put a little bit in and it goes to town and it changes everything around it and the deadness of religion is a danger to the church of the living God. And so Jesus says, you be careful. Again, don't look out at other people. Look in the mirror. Religion is always a lesson in missing the point. When they went across the lake, verse 15 of of Matthew, uh, verse five of Matthew 16 says, the disciples forgot to take bread. Eh, innocent mistake. Jesus being Jesus, you know how Jesus often answers questions that people weren't asking? Um, He often makes statements to our point of need that we don't even know we need answered in us yet. So he says, be careful, Jesus, uh, said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they discussed among themselves this and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. And aware of the discussion, Jesus asked, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Religion is always about missing the point. And I just want to say that so many of us here are missing the point, and the point is just relationship. You see, when you're born into relationship, the cross is enough for a world-changing life. It, it, It just is. And... And Jesus said, no sign is going to be given to you. You're looking for something more before you trust me all in with your life. Nothing else is going to be given you except the sign of Jonah. Kind of cryptic. How many of y'all think that's kind of cryptic? You know, how many of y'all are real Jonah fans? You know, it's kind of like, okay, well, that was an obscure reference. Jesus, what are you talking about? Well, in Matthew twelve thirty nine, he makes it perfectly clear. He, he says, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. They're always wanting more. They won't have faith in what I've, I've given. They always want more. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Verse 40 says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of, of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And in this reference, Jesus is summing up his entire mission and life on earth. I came to love. And I loved with passion. And I taught you in ways that were beyond religion. I, I didn't wear fancy clothes. I didn't use titles that separated us. I, I, didn't, I didn't prove my superiority over you by virtue of education. I revealed God to you and I loved you and I, and I, I never served myself. I, I suffered for you. And I bled and I died that if you believed in me you could have everlasting life because eternal life is what I am all about. Real life. Not a dying down God blind life or a dying down religion blind life but a life that is mine. Unending whole. And so this this stands for the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. It is all that is in the cross. And Jesus said, this is all you're going to get if you want to know me. If you want to follow me and serve me, then look back to the cross, look to my mission on, on, on planet earth and, and let that be enough. And the truth is that when we're born into this kind of relationship, the cross is enough for a world-changing life. We don't, we don't live broken down and, and beaten back. We don't live weak and wimpy lives, ashamed of Jesus and embarrassed. We don't prioritize our politics more than we prioritize our, our Savior. We, we stand for Jesus and we believe for people and we love beautifully like God did. And we, we, we live boldly and we live with other broken people. We don't live in judgment. We are in our world what Jesus was to his. We are the body of Christ. How did Jesus use his body in in Jerusalem, in Nazareth? How did Jesus use his body in the first century? Well, however he did, whatever he did, however he touched, however he loved, whatever he said, all of that is exactly what he wants to be doing in the United States of America in 2016. But the Church of the Living God, I believe, we are in great danger of lapsing into religion, of letting the white-hot passion of of a love relationship with Jesus that that has just wrecked us in beautiful ways, we're in danger of of all that becoming about appearances and boxes checked and and just lava that's cold and, and standing still. Jesus declared in John 3:3, 3, 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Pharisees and Sadducees, you're standing face to face, but you cannot see me because you have not been born again. You've never yielded your life to my love. The wonder of my compassion for you has never, has never been able to crush your pride. You've never yielded and given away this, this life of yours to me. And, and you're so broken. But if you would only allow yourselves to be in relationship and born again. You'd see an amazing eternal kingdom and all of its possibilities in this broken world. And you wouldn't live down and you wouldn't live defeated and you wouldn't, you wouldn't live in self-pity. And you wouldn't live, you know, so wounded by the past that there's no hope for the future. You wouldn't live hopeless if you could only see the kingdom that, that I have brought you would see the world in a different light. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us. And this, while we were still, still sinners, Christ died for us. And over and over again, the Bible points to the cross of Jesus as proof of love and says, that is enough. You and I don't need more stuff. You and I don't need more of anything than the infinite God we've already been given to live amazing, overcoming, world-changing lives. Jesus changed the world by faith and he expects us to do the same. And I'm always, (laughs) my default, my gravity, my inward pull is I'm waiting for God to do something more. You ever wanted to wait till you had it more together? Guess what? That's never going to happen. <laughs> you know what? Here's a dirty little secret I'm a mess. I listened uh, to, I was at a conference the other day, and a pastor came on board. He's pastor of a you know, church, I don't know, it was a big church, like 7,000 people, and he, he stood up. And the first thing he said was, I am crazy. Or at least that's what my counselor says. And what he really was doing was just admitting the simple truth that he was broken. And, and the reality is that if you and I are waiting for the day when everything's perfect to get on with our lives, or if we've set up this list of what God must do before we'll start really just living yielded, then it'll never, ever happen. Because what has happened to, to start us was the cross of Jesus, and we look back to the cross, and that's our sign. The love and the life and the passion and the beauty of Jesus. The wild, untamed aggression of God's love. That's our marching orders. And that's enough. Jesus never has to give us anything else, tell us anything else. That's our sign. And in that sign, the sign of, of, of the one who loved enough to suffer and die and raise again on the third day, that is enough for us to rise up to step up out of our weakness and self-pity, to leave behind stupid, foolish, self-serving sin, to, to pursue sexual purity, to pursue holiness, and, and to live a life that is as big as God. And I'm telling you, that's, that's possible because, because Jesus changed the world by faith and, and he really expects us to do the same. Why are you still talking to yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? No, religion doesn't understand. Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you don't understand that I was talking, not talking to you about bread? But here's the deal. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. Then they understood that he was not, it was, it was telling him to guard against the yeast used in, not, not to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I, I'm telling you, Jesus says, that I have come to change life. I have shown you that if you'll give me your small, five loaves, seven loaves, that, that I will make your small impossibly large. I'm telling you that I've come into the world and I've changed everything. And you can put your hope in me. And you'll never be disappointed when you do. So, so I don't want you to live shrinking back religious lives that do nothing in the world. I don't want you to live as a self-righteous consumer focused on you and what other people do for you. I want you to forget about yourself. I don't care if anybody ever thinks of you the rest of your life. I am thinking of you and I proved it on the cross and that is enough. I want you to be others-centered. I want you to be bigger than the insults that you've received. I want you to be bigger than the the criticisms that you've heard. I want you to be larger than the weaknesses you feel. And I want you to rise up and I want you to live my resurrected life in you. In this broken world, I want you to give yourself to me and I will send you to your family, to your workplace. I will send you to a world and you will change it. Or you can be religious. Dead inside, dissatisfied, still fooling around with stupid sin, still still longing for something more, but, but quietly inside, dying day by day. It's our choice. Jesus brazenly offers a single proof to counter all the pain and the lies of hell in life His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And there are some soul-deep questions that many of us are asking that are sometimes just too painful to even voice. But honestly, beneath the layers of the onion and our feelings and our needs, there are questions like this. Do I matter? In this huge world of billions of people, does my little life make a difference? Does it mean anything? Do I matter? And Jesus, with the sign of Jonah, says, I died for you. Your name was on my lips. Your life was seen by me. I considered your life worth more than mine. Am I worth it? Could I, could I really trust this scandalous grace or do I have to earn it? Do I have to live in fear that I'll never be good enough, that I'll never measure up, that no matter how hard I try in the end, it's just going to be a big ethic. Fail? God, can I, can I ever hope to stand in front of you one day and you receive me with joy and, and open arms? I went to hell for you. God, are you really able... Life is so hard and so big, and my pain so deep. Are you able? I beat death for you. What's left in life? Give me a sign, religion says. Give me the impossible, faith says. And in all the wild and uncontrollable ways that God asks us to move from a religion we can control uh, to a relationship we can't, in all the ways that God asks for us to give up our own, you know, know, just ability to even predict, we just surrender to a relationship as God's well-loved sons and daughters. But I want to ask you to consider some things. Are you born again? You see you can you can come near to the outside of all the Jesus stuff and the church stuff and be just like the Pharisees you can see and think you see but the reality is you don't see at all. You don't see your worth, you don't see your need, you don't see the insanity of a self-led life, you don't see the glory of a God surrendered life. Are you born again? Has there ever been a time in your life where your will broke and you gave control of your whole life to Jesus and you rejected a self-led life and you, you pursued a Jesus-led life? Jesus said you must be born again. You'll never see the kingdom of God by your own efforts, by church, um, by stuff you know in your head. You, you've got to yield And be vulnerable and let me live in you. Secondly, are you religion blind? Have you defaulted to dead, dissatisfied religion so that you're living your life of quiet desperation, of, of do nothing? Uh, are you living your life in appearances? Why live dead? Why live down? Thirdly, what's your mission to change the world? What's your mission to be a champion for Christ? You weren't called to put your backside in a chair once a week and say, hey, I'm good, God. You were created by God from before the foundation of the world with a passion of His image in you. You were created out of infinite worth, more than the, 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 own, the, the blood of Jesus. You were, were declared of worth to God. Your name is known, your path is set, your sins are forgiven, you are free from all the condemned. What will you do with the life you've been given? If you choose to live small, to live defeated, what a tragedy when you stand before Jesus and what a loss for the people around you. But if, what if, what if you choose to to look back to the cross and in the mission of Jesus, you find your mission and it's not about you. It has nothing to do with your comfort. It has nothing to do with life working out the way you want it to work out. But it has everything to do with you coming to Jesus broken, vulnerable, needy, and blind, and kneeling in his presence and saying, Jesus, I surrender all that I am to you. I trust the provision of your grace. It will be enough. And though I cannot see the way sometimes, I will listen to your voice and I will follow you and I will will walk away from sin. I will seek obedience. Jesus, use my broken, inadequate, insufficient life in my hands to change the world as your hands. That's the invitation today. That's the invitation to rise up and be more than just another dead church. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And then I'm going to ask you to kneel with me right now. If your knees don't work, if you're in a dress, you can't. God, this isn't about legalism. You can kneel in heart. But I'm going to ask you to kneel right now. Fill this altar. Fill where you are. And just offer God your surrender today to be the champion for Christ that changes the world. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would save us from ourselves. Save us from dead religion. God, make us alive. May the breath of your kingdom blow through us. God, today we yield. Speak to us, Father. and, And we, in these moments, these holy, sacred moments, God, we offer you our surrender. Father, hear our broken surrender. In Jesus' name, you make your move. Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.